Hi, this is Will Overman, and this room sounds great. I, they paid me great, they treated me great, it was like all the Guinness you could drink. They became friends of mine, and they loved my music. Oh, it's terrible, and you can smell it from a mile away. Yeah, it's like before we could all say, hold my beer. It's like, but it's the, the same instinct. Everybody out there in the podcast universe, thank you for tuning in to This Room Sounds Great. I am Reese Williams. We are recording at In Your Ear Studios. And I know when it comes to podcast choices, you have so many options when you're out there, you know, riding your recumbent bike or just now taking down your Christmas tree. And man, gold star for you for choosing us. This episode, we are speaking with singer-songwriter Will Overman. Hello. Hello, it's good to be here. You know, most of the time we have been featuring, you know, Shaco Sessions Live in the podcast has always been, uh, we say musicians, we we tried to stray from saying local all the time because mm-hmm. we really want to do encompass just a little bit bigger of an area. But most people have been from Richmond, but you just left us last year. What happened? I did. I did. My wife and I moved from Charlottesville to, uh, to Nashville back in July, but my roots are still here and... Um, it's funny you say that about local because I very much so consider myself a Virginia artist, even though I'm eight hours away in central Tennessee now. <laughs> and have you found, how have you found the move? Um, it's, it's been a sea change for sure. Um, Nashville has been wonderful. I feel challenged every day. I have a ghost in the building. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I miss in here a lot. You now I miss the mountains a whole lot and the outdoors and I'm, uh, realizing every day just how beautiful it is here in Virginia. It's something I I take for granted or I took for granted just being here. So it's going well, um, but it's always nice to come home and play some shows. You make a U-turn and come back? Some, sometimes I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about your career in the music scene before you left. How did you find your place in Richmond and um, you know, how long have you been doing this? What venues are your favorite when you're out there? How how entrenched were you? Yeah, so I moved to Charlottesville um, back in 2013, um, and I took a roundabout way of getting here. I grew up in Virginia Beach, um, mm-hmm. and then when I graduated high school, I hiked the Appalachian Trail, and I deferred college. Then I went to the University of Vermont. The Brits call that a gap year. A gap year. A gap year. And I went to uh, Vermont first semester did not do well and it was very cold and I was like I'm gonna come back to Virginia so that's when I moved to Charlottesville and I went like 50% for the music scene and 50% to trying to get uh, into UVA um, and I did the whole community college thing and long story short graduated UVA my wife's from the area I love Charlottesville I love the music scene and I just kind of stayed in it I just loved it so much. So Central Virginia just became home and I definitely adopted it as much. And I, from reaching out on Craigslist, trying to find a guitar player when I first moved here as a college student to, to my latest iteration of the band, you know, I've, I've played all the local venues and, um, the scene's been great to me and I've, I've kind of like grown up in it. So it's very, it's very near and dear to my heart. And so when you write, are you writing about, things that have happened in the past and you've processed it? Are you writing about it when you're in it because you want to figure it out? Are you writing about hopes for the future? I I have your bio that I'm going to read tonight when we go live on Shaco and you've had 
a very eventful life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to say the least. You've had a lot to triumph over, Yeah, it appears. So what, what have you gone through that you've wanted to express? I write mostly um, from a place of retrospection. Um, I often need space from the emotion or the event or the feeling that I'm trying to write about. Um, so typically I'm writing looking back um, but for some songs, like a song of mine called Marine Street, I do write trying to parse through how I'm feeling or what's going on, just trying to make sense of things. So it, it, it depends. And, um, I don't write a ton of things looking forward, but I'm sure at some point I, I probably will. Are you a disciplined writer that you've set some time each day or do you have scraps of paper and you scribble things or a, a tune comes to you? Do you write music first, lyrics first? It's kind of a hybrid I'm, I think I am disciplined um, because I place so much import on it and doing it with routine, but I definitely don't have a set routine to it at the same time. Um, you know, I'll sit down when I'm really feeling inspired or I'm just feeling like I've got a lot of emotions I want to work through and I'll make time for it then. Um, sometimes I, especially when I haven't written, I will like almost like bubble over and be like, I have to write because I'm an artist and I got to get the stuff out of my head onto the page for just the sake of creation. So it kind of depends. Um, I wish I was more diligent about it because some of my favorite writers do carve out two hours in the morning to do it. And I think I'm still figuring out my life and how I want to structure my life. And I haven't figured out how to structure the writing around that yet. No pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting there. I, yeah. I feel like I wake up a different time every day. So I'm like, once I figure out how to do that, we'll start there and then I'll figure out where to put writing in. Now, have you moved to Nashville for the music scene? Like, you're, this is what are your what is going to define success for you? Is that why you migrated that way? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'm a solo singer songwriter in the Americana country world, and as much as I love the Central Virginia scene, I found myself hitting some barriers. Um, it was just hard to do what I did without some of the industry that exists in Nashville. Um, I love my current band and. They've been with me for a long time, and I hope they'll play with me as long as they can. But I don't have a set group of people that's part of my identity and brand. So have these guys, are these guys zigging, zigzagging back and forth with you? They Where are, they? yeah. They're based here in Central Virginia. Oh, okay. So like a lot of times, this tour is Virginia-centric. So I drove here, picked the guys up. We're going to hit the road, or they'll come to me, and we'll go from there. So we're figuring it out day by day with each tour. Wow. Yeah. That is loyalty. That's yeah. Incredible. Oh, they're, I, I love these guys and they're great. So that's not me saying anything negative about the, the substitution style band, but there's just something about being in Nashville. It's, I mean, it's just a city built around promoting my kind of music and guys like me. And there are a lot of negatives to that too in that scene. Um, a lot. Good Lord. But I just wanted to experience something different too and feel challenged. And not that I didn't in Virginia as well. And, I, I love so many artists here that I call friends, but there's something about being uncomfortable in Nashville and that I'm surrounded by people that are better than I am every day. And it just makes me want to be better, which I love. It's not a place I see myself living for the rest of my life, but I enjoy the pressure 
that is an amazing attitude. I mean, any successful person will tell you, you always want to be either the dumbest person in the room or the laziest person in yeah. the room or the least creative person in the room. You constantly want to surround yourself with people who you can aspire to learn from and grow with. So that is incredible. Thank you. I've, I've strived to do that from the get-go. I have no pride when it comes to that. I would <laughs> rather be surrounded by people that are, especially when I'm recording, you know, I would rather be surrounded by people that could play laps around me just because it's going to make me better. So how did you get started? Who did you listen to growing up? Were you, um, you know, when did you get your first guitar? Were you playing on instruments that you shouldn't have been and <laughs> found something else? Or, you know, a lot of times we'll find out that kids were playing toy instruments or not instruments at all instead of a drum set just because they had the inclination to do it. <laughs> yeah. I was very fortunate. I grew up in a really uh, music-loving household. I was going to say musical, but I wouldn't say they were super musical, my, my parents. Um, but they loved music. They've always loved music. Um and they instilled that in me from an early age. Like, I don't remember not listening to music as a child, um, which I'm so just lucky to have had that experience and have parents that just push that kind of art towards me. And I started listening with them, started loving music with them. What were they listening to? What genre? Uh, it kind of it kind of was all over the place. My parents, they loved The Grateful Dead early on. <laughs> big, big deadheads. And then that, that was like their younger selves and then they really found their way into americana like i don't want to say the emergence of americana but like the defined age of americana as like a genre i feel like is relatively new um and like the early 2000s when i was like becoming a sentient being within my music taste my parents were kind of finding their way towards what's now called americana okay it was like folk back then it was like folk yeah. it was like i i loved bluegrass my dad mm -hmm. really um helped me kind of start with like traditional you know bluegrass be that like mountain music or old time going from like old crow and i mean even traditional like bill monroe and stuff like that or del mccurry but that shifted into the avid brothers oh. and the avid brothers were kind of the band that like did it all for me. Like I was a teenager when I fell in love with them, full of angst, full of excitement. <laughs> and they were writing about stuff that I wanted to hear about and just throwing it all out there. And they were using instruments that I loved from the bluegrass world. So they just checked all the boxes for me. And that's, I think that's when I was certain that I wanted to be a, a singer songwriter. I just saw them live the first time. I was like, I, I want to do that. And so what was the first piece of music that you owned that was yours? And what format was it on? Oh, man, that is a good question. I had, <laughs> uh, I was a big Backstreet Boys fan <laughs> I early love this. on. This, you have no idea how often this comes up. Really? It is, it is typically independent of the genre that people are <laughs> passionate about, of course, because it's just that age. Yeah. I love it. And everyone smirks like, oh, I don't know if I want to say Oh, it's so accessible. And their songs are smashes. They're great. So it was Backstreet Boys was first, and then my parents gave me a cassette, which I, I'm 28, I can hardly believe I can like say that and, and mean it, but they gave me a cassette um, of, a, I think, the Beatles' greatest hits in the 60s. So it was like, I want to hold your hand era, and that was like, I mean, that was, that was the spark, because I remember after that, like, listening to Hey Jude, like, under the covers at night and stuff, mm -hmm. and being like, this is crazy. So I think, I think really the Beatles cassette is what sticks out to me. That is incredible. In your, in your, the brief little bio that I have, it says you traveled the world doing music. So where is your favorite place to play? And is it because of the crowds? Is it because of, 
you know, I do know that in Europe there is a huge following for Americana mm-hmm. and folk and bluegrass, a yeah. huge following for it. Um, so where in the entire world is your favorite place to play? Well, to clarify, I wish I could say I've toured Europe because I haven't. But my wife and I did a big trip a couple years ago, and we worked in various locations, worked in Ireland, in Austria, in Greece. And in between those experiences, we would, we would travel and saw family, and it was just an incredible experience. But I carried my guitar with me. Um, and I think one of my favorite gigs I've ever had was a weekly gig at um, a pub in Letterfrack, Ireland, north of Galway, called Veldens. And I played by the peat fire once a week and like small PA sang my songs. I, they paid me great. They treated me great. It was like all the Guinness you could drink. They became friends of mine and, um, they loved my music. It was so refreshing and like legitimizing for me just to take my songs that I've been promoting here for a long time, but to take them somewhere where I had no agenda and they loved them. It meant the world to me. And it sounds like you had a little detour in the West Coast as well. I did, yeah. <laughs> you do zigzag around. I do zigzag, yeah. I was there. My um, my wife was undergoing cancer treatment out there, so that's why I was out there. Um, and for everyone listening, she's doing really well now. I always like to get that out there early. Um, so it wasn't under planned circumstances. So I was just gigging when I could because I needed to play. I was like, I was just going through so much. I wanted to get back to the music a little bit and. So I did play on the West Coast. I played in Ventura. I played in Hollywood. I had like two people come in Hollywood. That was that was a weird one. Um, it is such a different scene out there. Oh, it's so strange. So and this was different. like not cool Hollywood. This was like this shady, dark side of it. It was just, it was a weird one. But yeah, no, I've, I've played all over and touring wise, like real touring, we're starting to push past the, the Midwest and it's, I just, I love it. I love seeing outside of the country and I've always thought of touring as like, it's like travel, you know, it's like super blue collar travel, seeing the underside of a city. It's like where Anthony Bourdain might go. Mm-hmm. And there's some major cons to that too, but you see a part of the United States that you really would not see in any other circumstance. Are you guys traveling in a van or an oh, RV? Yeah. Oh, please tell me. Does it stink? No, oh, no. Okay. I take a lot of pride <laughs> in keeping my van clean. What is everybody known for? I mean, everyone has their quirks when they're on the road. The creature comforts, <laughs> the things they do when they get to every city. That's, man, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, in, in the van specifically, Evan and I do most of the driving. Evan's my drummer and manager. Um I think the like the funniest thing about Evan is he'll warm up while driving, and I will too. But you'll just like we'll be like in the middle of Indiana, driving down some unknown highway, and he'll be doing lip bubbles. <laughs> um, Ryan is good at just Ryan can can sleep really well, which I'm always so envious of. Lucky duck. I can't I can't sleep in a moving vehicle to save my life. And then Steven's just he's my keyboard player. He's just the kind of the vibes guy. He brings good vibes the whole time and. I think as far as arriving in cities, it's nice touring with adults. Like we're all on the same page of like where we are in life and what we value and the quality of life we want. And Everyone's on time. No one's bringing someone random back to the no, van. No, everyone's on time. <laughs> no one's getting drunk. Yeah. No one's just like being out of sorts. And I think we all enjoy our own separate time too. So like if we have time before the show, one of us will go on a walk or something. And I, I love that, that like, all the guys are self-sufficient 
because sometimes on the road it's like herding cats and for the person whether it's the band leader like me or you have an actual tour manager whoever's doing that it can be exhausting Mm -hmm. so with these guys it's just so great because they're all they know what they're doing it's a lot of details oh my gosh that's all it is Mm -hmm. that's like 90 percent of the music industry (laughs) well you know and that's interesting how do you handle the business side of it and and even the social media media side of it. I ask people all the time, some bands, it comes naturally. They're posting every day. They mm-hmm. want you to be a part of that world and it makes the fans feel included. Other people hire someone to do it. Yeah. Uh, some bands just don't do it. And I right. think it's, I don't know if it's to their detriment or not. You know, I do, I know, I like feeling included and seeing seeing mm-hmm. that, that, that people are doing everyday things and yeah. um, whether that's a big name or a local name. So how do you, how do you handle the business marketing part of it? So, I mean, the business, I'm lucky. I'm very lucky to have Evan. Um, Evan's been managing me for about two years now. And I did it by myself for six years, I think. Um, I think I did it pretty well for the stage of life that I was in. Um, but it was hectic. I mean, it's just like, I think the hardest part for me was trying to be an artist first and to care about the quality of the art first and foremost. And, and I definitely have capacity on both sides of my brain. Um I've even at times had to tell myself just to focus on the music versus like trying to do everything because then you have diminishing returns and your music's suffering. The business is doing great. Everything's just kind of like getting by moderately okay. Mm -hmm. Um, So back to Evan. Evan's taken over operations big time past couple years and that's been huge because I've been able to focus on the music more and I've been writing more than I ever have and doing different types of writing and I've been able to diversify my income streams and I do a lot of sync writing and so oh, I'm like very making cool. money from actual music which is amazing um so that's been huge and then as far as the social media goes that is a constant battle I I like seeing artists in their lives and having you know the chance to look behind the glass but I also respect artists who just focus on the music and I go see them live and it's it's like a spiritual experience um i try and post you know five times a week and the that's content, ambitious it's ambitious and the content creation's a lot and i despise tiktok uh, on a deep deep level please explain oh god well i hated vine uh first and foremost and that was so abrasive to me and it was so like disposable just, that, so just not enough time for good content or yeah like like I don't fault like I don't fault anyone for being successful on TikTok at all I don't fault you for being successful really anywhere in music it's so hard to do it anywhere but I think there's something about the disposable nature of it and how quickly things are being pumped out that just doesn't sit with me like I I love photography and like I'm a very like thoughtful person and I, I like to I take a long time to write a song and I just like at my core I like things that have to steep and TikTok to me is the antithesis of that and there's nothing wrong with that but it just drives me crazy and there's some brilliant stuff on there like the comedy's hilarious and what people can fit in in 15 seconds blows my mind but it is not what I am so I like I've tried to buy into it and I'll put out something like once a month but I just I don't have any interest and you know what that'll come through so don't force it you know what I mean it's much better to have authentic content that might be more infrequent or a platform that isn't yeah. all the rage because when it's insincere, oof, that's detrimental. Oh, it's terrible. And you can smell it from a mile away. 
you're like, dude, you clearly your manager was like, hey, you should do TikTok. And you're like, okay. <laughs> Thankfully, that smell's not coming from the van, though. No, uh, no. Van's smelling good. What do you and your wife do for fun? Like, what? I mean, do you guys have any hobbies that maybe either influences the writing or gives you the, the release valve for that? I mean, do you have a strange collection or hobby? Are you guys athletic? Um, we're always busy. She's a baker. She's a full-time baker. So, um, she is not as round as a house. I will tell you. I don't know how, because I eat so much bread. It's unreal, but it's really good. We have a whole, a whole speech on, on sourdough. So I could, I'll, I could wax poetic on that for a while. I'll save everybody. But yeah, she's a full-time baker. So she's always cranking, um, like pre-market she's waking up at like 12 30 at night and baking through the night and that's obviously not my schedule so we work a lot together we both work at home quite a bit um and then hobbies i mean fortunately we both love music as well we love to drink beer so that goes hand in hand which is awesome but we love being outdoors we love hiking and that's always a great escape and that always fuels the the tank and and we have a crazy 90 pound lab that takes up a lot of our time so that's we, like uh, another that is a whole other person in your household at 90 pounds yeah 96 to be exact he's huge what's his name tully tully yeah you're a big boy he's a big boy he's like 80 percent lab 20 percent pit so he's a beast so uh we do a lot that's centric around him how old is he just he he's still like, have a lot of activity or he's a like lot of three. energy oh my god we got the most energetic dog in the world he's he's a total animal literally and figuratively what uh, what kind of day jobs have you had to hold down? That like any noteworthy, just cringy cubicle land or retail something? No, I've lucked out with the cringe. Um, before I well before COVID hit, I worked for a film company outside of Charlottesville called Silverthorn Films, um, and it was second to music, the best job I've ever had. I loved it. Um, I got to be behind the camera, got to edit, and it was just great people it was a way for me to use the visual side of my brain and I just loved it. It was seriously, I, I, I still wish I could do it cause I loved it that much. Um, so that was, that was a really good one and the schedule was flexible. So I'd go on tour and then when I came back, there'd be work waiting for me and it was, it was ideal. Man, no paper hats and name tags. No, <laughs> no. I mean, I've worked at a lot of like restaurants on Charlottesville, shout out to Rev Soup and I've, I've slung soup, I've slung coffee I've made sandwiches. I've done all that stuff, mm-hmm. but but no, I've looked at them like truly cringy jobs. <laughs> yeah. What is on your bucket list? Wow, um, a lot. My bucket list. You know, I've kind of had to reorient everything with COVID. Um, I was just talking to Evan last night about this. Like, I feel like musicians have just been in survival mode for the past two years. I mean, we all have, and it's been hard thinking of goals. Versus just like, hey, let's make it through the day. That's a great point. And I'm, I think I'm slowly getting out of that. But it's like I haven't really let myself go there yet because That's I'm still trying to get through the day. A great point. I a lot of times I'll ask and I'll ask you is what is the goofiest way you've injured yourself? <laughs> and I've asked it so much that that guests are now like, oh, I was hoping you'd ask, or I, <laughs> I heard an episode, I was waiting for that, and I thought, man, I got to mix it up. But you're exactly right. I mean, that is that is some long term thinking that. That I don't think our brain, you know, I'm sure people are like, pipe down, girl. I'm just trying to get through the day. We've all like recalibrated. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So we definitely have goals and like lofty goals. And, but I, I guess like the best answer right now is that I'm just focusing on 
putting on the best show I can put on today, waking up tomorrow, doing it again. And how can we keep doing that? How can we make, how can we make a living doing that? And keep meeting people who share the vision and yeah. hold it. So what is the goofiest way you've ever hurt yourself? Let's see. Okay. I have a scar on my lip, which is right there, which you guys can't see because you're listening. <laughs> but I was bit by a dog when I was a baby because I was trying to grab a Frisbee in her car. So that was a good one. Um, I have a chipped tooth because I fell on my face in concrete when I was like 12 and just like thunk like a, like a dumb kid. Were you showing off? No, I think oh, I was just okay. like running around and, and bit it. Um, and then I think the dumbest, the dumbest one, yeah, that's probably the dumbest one, um, was I tried to stand up going down a like water slide one time and surprisingly I fell and drilled my head and I think I concussed myself but it was like I was like a kid because I just everything went black and was like ringing and I was like whoa I see stars yeah totally and like probably should have gone to the doctor's office but that was probably the dumbest one thinking like there's no way this is gonna work out Typically for men, it usually is sort of a teenage boy thing that involves either like a dirt bike or a skateboard. Or yeah, it's like before we could all say hold my beer. It's like, but it's the <laughs> same instinct. It's so bad. So let's revisit. I want to make sure what do you want to accomplish in Nashville? I'm excited to hear. I want to know. Yeah. I mean, did you have connections there already? Or did you really just jump in like people go to LA to to make it? Well, so I I don't know. I don't live under grand illusions of like that. I try and be pretty realistic because um, I've known some folks who are like I'm gonna go and make it, and I don't think that that's just a quick track to really disappoint yourself. Um, but luckily, there's a really nice transplant community um, from Central Virginia that's in Nashville. Um, like Sam Wilson of Sons of Bill, they're there. Uh, James Wilson was also there for a bit. Carl Anderson is there. Um, Nathan Kohlberg just moved there. He's from here. Jenna Matthews, a friend of mine, just moved there. So there's a really nice transplant community, and they've been really sweet to me. Like, let me in, invited me to their parties and, you know, network events and supper parties and stuff like that, just just to extend a, a hand or an olive branch to let me meet people. So... I've met people that way, and what really instigated Nashville was um, a trip I made back in May. I, my wife and I were like, like a lot of people kind of coming out of COVID, we like just wanted to change, we wanted to try a new area. We had always thought about a city. We're like, well, we're you know 27 years old, maybe we try it now. And um, We didn't know where to go, though. We had like a list of places, and Richmond was actually, we almost moved to Richmond. I love Richmond so much, and... But I went to Nashville to record a couple songs, and I'd never been just like as a a citizen. I'd always been touring through it, <laughs> and it's been so fast, and and I just loved it. You could kind of feel the the buzz coming out of COVID too. Just felt like something was going on. So we were like, you know what? That's a sign. Let's do it. Let's go there. And and that was two months later. You moved. Yeah, we were like, let's do it because we had been we had been like prepping for a long time, and that was kind of like just the impetus we needed. So we did it. And I recorded with Sam Wilson. It's one of the guys kind of in that cohort. And um, anyways, I'm, I'm rambling here, but that community has been really great to me. That's incredible. Yeah. Well, everybody's story is different. That's what's so interesting. Yeah. It's either uh, just a hunch or dumb luck or an invitation or mm-hmm. a dream. You know, it's I love hearing why and how it happened. And that's, yeah. that's a great one. And then as far as like why I'm there, I am still 
debating that. I mean, I truly day to day wonder if I want to be there or not. I, I would not be surprised if we left in four months or we stayed for four more years. Like I, we're truly teetering. Um, you gypsies. <laughs> yeah, I just twenty eight's a weird time too. It's like I, I, we both really want roots and community and lasting friendships and. There's certainly that in Nashville, but it's, you know, it's an age of what you're thinking about. If you plant roots here, can you move those, et cetera, et cetera, major um, extrinsic huge issues to think through. But I think musically it's it's kind of the same thing there where I'm not there to write for other people. I have no desire. My main goal is to write for myself, and I want to tour behind that and share my music. And it's been interesting doing a lot of writing sessions there where everyone – throws out the term artist project they're like oh yeah well i did the same thing the other day and oh yeah i was writing for this person and then i did this session in this co-write and then i've been thinking about my artist project lately and i'm like i get it that's their own work they're calling it an artist yeah project? i mean that's like a pretty common thing to be an artist project and it's very it makes me chuckle because i can't separate me from my artist project like i am my artist. it's project. just being a musician right yeah i just care about my work i mean like when right. i write a song i'm writing and I, I am getting pretty good at writing sing songs you know but they don't pertain to like who i am as an artist it's a job for me mm -hmm. and i enjoy it but mm -hmm. it's interesting being in a place where there's so much of that and you know with the industry that i wanted out of nashville there comes a lot of negatives too um so i i, I kid you not i am i debate it every day as a solo musician you know, we've, we have many discussions about the landscape of the record label business and just how to make money as a musician. What do you think are viable options for revenue streams that you've got the sync sync mm -hmm. and then, and then what are just dead ends now that people used to rely on and they're just not there anymore? Man. Well, touring kind of as always is still really hard. Um, like that is right now at my level, I am not paying the bills with touring. We're kind of subsisting. I am really hopeful this year we can start changing that. Um, but past 18 months is impossible. It was great if you could get 25% of capacity out. So touring is still tough, but I think it's also still a viable way to make money. You know, hard ticket sales and merchandise was actually really good to us this year. It's It was funny back in September, we did a we started a big tour and we had a, a bunch of anchor dates in Virginia and the turnouts were not good. It was so disappointing for hometown markets, but the merch numbers were fantastic. So it was like it was reflective of like how much people cared it was, and wanted to support, mm -hmm. but like also people were scared to come out, which I completely understood. But that was really it was a wonderful thing to be like, Man, thank you guys so much for being here and for like buying <laughs> a whole lot of T shirts and vinyl. That was a concerted effort in my circle of friends or people who know how hard it is to be a mus musician, even if they weren't. But yeah. we needed to be musician supporters. If yeah. ever there was a time, that was it. And and I I, I really felt that tangibly. Um, sync is a great way. You know, I, that there's a lot of money from people creating film that can go into a lot of music production. And that's a viable way for people to do it. And I think if you're able to set aside the ego and the artistry, you can you can do it well. But there's definitely separation needed. Like when I do it, I typically feel like I do it in like quotas, where like I'll pump out a bunch, do a lot of writing sessions, and then I'm like, I gotta go, <laughs> I gotta go write about being sad or something, because 
<laughs> I, I cannot stay in this world too long. But it employs a lot of people, and I think it helps a lot of people's quote-unquote artist projects or what they are passionate about come to fruition. Um, the stuff that's not working, well, to more stuff that is working, musical licensing is something I haven't even stuck my toe into yet, and I'm really excited to with my original work. And that can be very lucrative and very equitable, which we all need more of that in the music industry. Yes, we do. Um, so yeah, that's my two cents. I mean, but I'm, that's one of the cool things about Nashville is I'm learning about new ways to make real money in music every single day. Um, especially like the publishing world. That's so new to me and that town functions on it. Um, you know, like what I've come to understand is like, if you get a pub deal there and you write 12 songs a year, you can make Mm $50,000 and that's a pretty sweet cushion that it could allow you to do what you really want to do. Covers the essentials. Absolutely. For sure. So I think there are a lot of ways to make money in music right now. I don't think it's as sexy as people want it to be, but that's, I mean, such is life. Well, I'm grateful. I'm so glad that it's not, it doesn't sound so defeating that people are giving up. I mean, there are still people who are just pounding the pavement every day. So they, and and I don't think they have those delusions either. I think yeah. people are very realistic, but I'm so glad that people at least know that there are opportunities out there. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> and I think a lot of folks, unfortunately, have kind of thrown in the towel. But I think if you're a creative and you want to push you know, your dream, whether it's like 2022 or 1980, I feel like there's always been that. Since, I mean, every actor's a waiter. Like there's Everyone knows that if you truly want to do it. So... That's still there, and that's okay. You know, like I wish it was easy just to jump into it, but it's not easy. <laughs> and it sifts out a lot of people that maybe aren't that into it or that great. That's and right. The cream will rise to the top. and Yeah, <laughs> exactly. We're left with amazing musicians like you. I cannot wait to hear you this evening. This is great. I'm so excited to be here. Thank After you guys for having me. Reading your bio, I thought this is a complex person, and I can't <laughs> wait to hear how he expresses it. That's incredible. I don't know how complex I am, but I'll, I'll take that, though, all day. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you so much for taking a little time out for us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to us for the podcast on all the usual suspects. And, of course, be sure to tune in every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. YouTube, Facebook, Twitch for Shaco Sessions Live. That's a wrap. <laughs>